Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, turn to Mark chapter 16, leave them open. We're going to be there for a little while today. If you have a phone or other device, you can pull it up on that. Just make sure you got that refresh button so that when I got to the scripture, you can see it. If you're watching online, go ahead and share this message in this service right now. Those of you in the service that have a phone with you, share it. We need to reach as many people as we possibly can. A few months ago, Facebook changed the algorithms for every church in America. They severely limited our reach because of it. So now we need you to help us to share that so that your friends, your family, everyone you're connected to has an opportunity to experience God through All Nations Church. Amen? Did you hear about, uh, we're talking about the resurrection, so I think this joke is okay. Did you hear about the lady who went to the funeral home to make arrangements for her husband's funeral? She said to the funeral director, I really want him buried in a dark blue suit. The funeral director said, well, he's wearing a black suit and looks really good. Isn't that okay? No, a dark blue suit. And I will pay for it. I'll give you a blank check. I don't care what it costs. Make sure it's a dark blue suit. Yes, ma'am, I'll do that for you. A couple days later, she went back to view him and she saw him in this beautiful dark blue suit. She said to the funeral director, thank you so much for doing that for me. I so appreciate it. No problem. She said, what did it cost? He said, well, actually, it didn't cost anything because right after you left, another lady came in. Her husband had died. He was in a beautiful dark blue suit. And I asked her, do you mind if he's buried in a dark black suit instead of a blue one? She said, no, I don't mind. Go right ahead. So I switched the heads. I knew it would take a minute. Oh, that's bad, Dr. D says. I thought it was hilarious. Hey, this morning we're going to talk about the the resurrection brings us and gives to us a second chance in life. Anybody here ever needed a second chance or wanted a second chance? Maybe you're right here this morning and you're that person who needs a second chance. Because of the resurrection, that's possible in our lives. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know what a mulligan is? A mulligan. There's a few of you who do. I asked a group of millennials, they didn't have a clue. I asked some old folks, only the ones familiar with golf knew what it meant. A mulligan means in golf you can take another shot from the same place. Ignore the bad one that you just hit. The one that went into the woods or into the water or the other fairway or went through a windshield on a car driving down the road. You can have a second opportunity. You can have a mulligan. So this morning I want to talk to you about the fact that God gives us second chances. And every one of us at one point or another need to experience that second chance, that mulligan in our lives. Like the family man who loves his wife and his children, but in a moment of weakness, he committed adultery, lost those he held precious and dear. He would like to have a second chance, a mulligan, a do-over. Or maybe like the 16-year-old girl who let her guard down for just a moment and ended up pregnant. She would like to have a do-over, a second chance, a mulligan. Or maybe like the professional executive who worked his way up the ladder to achieve all of his goals. Once he arrived, he found he was all by himself. Lost his family, lost his children, lost his friends in the pursuit of worldly success. 
One study says that 30% of our anxieties are due to the fact that we focus on the past, on things that cannot be changed or reversed. And I believe if we were honest in this room this morning, every single one of us would say, there have been times I need a second chance. There have been times I need a mulligan. There have been many times in my life where I've been so thankful that God gives us second chances. But the good news about God is it's not just a second chance. He'll give you a 10,000th chance. Oh, come on, somebody. You're saying he doesn't love me anymore. I failed him. I disappointed him. I gave up on him. I walked away from him. May I tell you, just as the father of the prodigal son, our father is waiting with his arms open wide to receive you, to forgive you, to restore you, to renew you, to cause the fire of the Holy Ghost to burn in your heart again. It's not too too late for you. We serve the God of the second chance. To somebody, that should be good news this morning. I'm getting a lot of feedback on the platform. Can you turn these monitors down, please? Thank you so very much. Perhaps in this room this morning, you would say, if I had a chance, I'd watch what came out of my mouth. Maybe in this room this morning, you would say, if I had an opportunity, a second chance, I wouldn't get involved in drugs or alcohol. Maybe you're in this room this morning and you say, if I had a second chance, I would wait until marriage. Maybe in this room this morning you would say, if I had a second chance, I'd be more honest. Maybe you're in this room this morning you say, if I had a second chance, I would finish my education and pursue the path that God set before me. If I had a second chance, I would spend more time with my family. If I had a second chance, I would resist temptation rather than giving in to it. So many ways we need to understand we need second chances. We have to grasp that, hold on to it. So we ask ourselves when we do fail, when we're in that place where we need a mulligan, where we need a do-over, where we need a second chance, how do we handle those positions? Well, some, no doubt, would ignore them and try to say, well, that never happened. That's not a part of my past. That was not a part of me. But when you do that, it creates an uneasy spirit that's filled with guilt and regret, and you will never get past it. Some will rationalize it, justify those actions. And that route leads to a cold, hard, insensitive heart that lacks mercy and compassion. Others dwell on their regrets. You beat yourself up over that bad decision. And when that happens, you find you're always beating yourself up from that day forward. You're convinced you will never make another right decision because of one bad one. But the only way to really get past those regrets is to simply give them to God. To forsake them, to forgive, ask Him to forgive you, to ask Him to change you, to come into your life. I've come to tell you this morning, because of the resurrection, God is in the business of making new things in your life. That's what He said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He said that we need to understand there's nothing Nothing he can't do and can't forgive. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, 
what you've done. It doesn't matter the trail of your past. All that matters this morning is that you understand we serve a God who's full of mercy and full of grace and his desire for you is to be restored, to be renewed with him, to be forgiven, to be in right relationship with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. That's his desire. Now think about it. There's nothing as exciting as a comeback. Do you remember the Super Bowl, not this year, but the year prior? When the Kansas City Chiefs were down by like 20 points in the end of the first half. Everybody had written them off, but all of a sudden in the third and the fourth quarter, they came roaring back and they put the game away and they won. There's nothing as exciting as a comeback. Something we like to cheer for. Well, I've come to tell you this morning, he's the God of the comeback. He's the God that enables you to have a second chance to start over again, to move beyond your faults and your failures into the grace and the mercy of a living God who loves you and gave himself for you. When we look at Mark chapter 16, we recognize that all four of the gospels, and that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record the story of the resurrection. But in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, there are two words not recorded in any of the other three accounts. Two words that made all the difference in the world. Two words that brought hope for renewal and restoration to a man's life. Look at with with me, verse 7, Mark chapter 17. But go and tell his disciples, here's the two words, and Peter. Would you put your name in there? Would you say, that's me? Would you say, go tell the disciples and Steve. Go tell the disciples and Sheldon. Go tell the disciples and Bill. Go tell the disciples and Cal. Go tell the disciples and Yvonne. Put your name in there. Because this story is the story of a comeback. This story is the story of a man who failed miserably, but through the grace and the mercy, by the power of the resurrection, he came back. So good news, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said unto you. You may have filled God miserably. You may think you're the only one. I've got news for you. There's a big line that's done that. You're not by yourself. World over, there are people, myself included, who have failed God miserably. But read the scripture, read that verse, read those two words, and Peter, there was a message directly to the one who failed him the worst. A message to the one who not only failed him, denied him, and cursed his name. There was a message to the one that wiped out, washed out, there was nothing left. He was broken, and the scripture tells us that. He was disappointed in himself. He was depressed because of what he did. He was just a shell of who he had been when Jesus was alive. But with the resurrection, there comes hope because the scripture says, go tell his disciples and 
Peter. Wasn't Peter one of the disciples? Yes, he was. Then why does the scripture say, and Peter? Because God knew, Holy Spirit knew that at some time, way down the line, as the Lord tarried, there would be rooms full of people just like this. People watching online, just like they are this morning, who need to hear, and Peter, and Steve, and Andrea, and Sally. Oh, come on, somebody, hear me. It's time to understand the resurrection gives us a second chance. It allows us to overcome. Our God is a God of second chances. Now remember, Peter had spent three and a half years with Jesus. He had followed him. He gave up his profession. He had followed Jesus all over Israel. He had heard his teachings. He had seen the miracles. He himself had even been endued with the same power as Jesus sent them out in his name to preach the gospel and to work miracles. He witnessed all of that. He had lived in the power of God. He had been in that place where he could say, this is the Christ, the son of the living God. He made that confession. That was Peter. He was up here when Jesus was alive. But when Jesus was being beaten and tried, when Jesus was being nailed to a cross, all that went out the door. And fear replaced it. Fear rushed in like a mighty flood. Fear came and overwhelmed him so that he denied Christ three times. And the third time he cursed his name. And Jesus had said to him, Peter, you say you'll never deny me, you'll never forsake me, you'll never leave me. That's what he said. Even if they all leave, I won't leave Jesus. I'll never do what they're going to do. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to hang on to you. But three times before the rooster crowed that morning, Peter denied Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. Your failure does not negate God's grace over your life. Your failure does not wipe out God's destiny for you. Your failure doesn't change what God spoke into existence the moment you gave your life to him. He still longs to move in you and through you. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says the gift and the calling of God are without repentance. That's the King James. Other translations say are irrevocable. There's another translation, the Amplified Bible. You should read it. It says God doesn't give up on those he poured his grace into. And the gifts he gave them, he doesn't call back. I'm talking to somebody this morning. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. You may not even be live in the service, but you're walking, watching in the days and the weeks ahead. You've given up. You've walked away because of your failure. But you need to hear it today. The gifts and the calling of God in and over your life are irrevocable. It's time to come back to him. It's time to come back into his grace and his mercy. It's time to come back and receive all that he has to offer for you. It's time to get back in the plan of God because he called you, he destined you to be a part of a mighty army that takes the gospel to the world and brings in the end time harvest. Stop laying there in guilt. Get up, ask God to forgive you and let's move forward together. Let's do what God has called us to do. Peter spent three and a half years with Jesus. But when it got tough, when the fire began to pour out upon him, 
when the accusations came against him, he folded, he folded, he folded. Just before Judas, Judas's betrayal, Jesus told them in Mark 14, 27, all of you will be made to stumble because of me. It's written, they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus prophesied what was going to happen and in fact it actually came true. There's many of us in this room watching online, watching in the future, who will say very clearly, I've failed God in my words, in my behaviors, in my actions or my inaction. You see, not doing what he's asked you to do is just as much of a failure as, as running away from him. In my inactions, I failed the Lord. Maybe what tripped you up was alcohol or drugs. Maybe it was an immoral life. Maybe it was giving up on God. Matter of fact, if we're honest, every person under the sound of my voice will say, yeah, I failed God. Because 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You see, it makes it very, very clear we need a Savior. Romans, excuse me, we understand what the Word of God is saying to us. But the resurrection brings us a second chance. The resurrection allows U-turns in our life. The resurrection allows God to show up and show out one more time. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. It's about taking broken, defeated, fallen, sin-filled people and put them under the blood of Jesus Christ. And when they come out on the other side, they're living in the power of the resurrection. Oh, somebody hear me today. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, who you are. All that matters is that you receive Christ as your Savior, repent of your sins, and allow Him to come in and do a new work in you. God allows U-turns. Hallelujah. The Bible's full of second chances. Adam and Eve, after eating that forbidden fruit, God didn't cast them away. He forgave them. Matter of fact, if you read the book of Genesis, here's a very interesting thing. The Bible says that God gave them skins and clothed them. Where did those skins come from? They came from the first animal sacrifice that God himself offered for the sin of Adam and Eve. Can you imagine that? God himself offered the sacrifice for the sin of Adam and Eve. Oh, somebody, that excites you. Because some years later, God himself offered the sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for the sin of all mankind. Hallelujah. That doesn't do for you what it does for me. You need to get full of the Holy Spirit. That'll light your fire. Abraham lied about Sarah being his wife. I've read that scripture so many times. And you know what comes to me? She must have been a real babe. I mean, she must have been like the blonde. She must have been a latte, blonde and hot. She had to be one that everybody said, whoa, there's not another one like her. He lied about her being his wife because he thought that he would be killed and Sarah taken from him. God restored him. How about Moses after killing an Egyptian? God restored him. How about David who lusted after Bathsheba, committed adultery and arranged to have her husband murdered on the front lines of the army? 
How about Jonah? God spoke to him and called him. And Jonah said, no, I hate the Ninevites. They're my enemy. I'm not going to go preach repentance to them because you know what's going to happen, God? They're going to repent. And then you won't wipe them out like you said you were going to do. I'm going the other direction. Yet God forgave him, restored him. A second chance is possible today because it was possible then. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he promised to one carries through to you. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time to say, I need a second chance. I'm going to get it today. God is going to, I got to be careful because my wife is going to tell me, you're there preaching by grace only. And you better stop that jumping up and down. You better stop getting excited because you're going to mess up that surgery. Last week I was here by her grace only. We made a deal. She said, you can go to church and preach if you stay in your office until it's time and we'll leave immediately after. So some of you said, why weren't you on Main Street? I was honoring my wife. I'm going to honor her again today. Do what she asked me to do because that's the right thing. Amen? A second chance is possible because of the resurrection. And when we receive it, you know what we also receive? We receive freedom. We receive liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, is what the Scripture tells you and I. Peter denied and failed the Lord. He went out, he wept bitterly. Sorrow, 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 flooding his heart and flooding his life. Sorrow over seeing what happened to the Christ and sorrow over his words and his denials. When you read the Scripture, you see a broken man. You see a man that's utterly devastated. You see a man that's actually ate up with his failure and his denial. Oh, but there's good news because another guy who needed a second chance by the name of Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He changed his life. And some years later, he wrote this verse in 2 Corinthians seven ten: Godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Oh, I'm so thankful today that when I confess my sins and I'm sorry for what I did, it leads me to repentance and brings the grace and the mercy of God into my life. Amen. Listen. I have a little bit of suspicion about those who can say I've accepted Christ as my Savior and asked me to forgive him, and there's no sorrow displayed. I have an issue. Is it real? Did you really encounter Jesus? Did you really meet the man that hung on the cross and gave his life for your sins? Do you really understand what's happening in your heart? Because I believe if you do, there's going to be some godly sorrow. And those lead to repentance. And then we know the fruits of repentance leads us into godliness and everlasting life. There's freedom when we repent. There's freedom from guilt. There's freedom from bitterness. Freedom from callousness. Freedom from depression. Freedom from misery. Freedom from sleeplessness. The sense of worthlessness and a sense of woeness comes into and over our life. But praise God, the second chance brings freedom from all that stuff. That's why John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sin... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to correct something I heard not long ago, not in this church, but probably some of you have heard it. I heard once somebody say that doesn't apply to believers. John's writing to unbelievers. That's hogwash. That's someone who's undisciplined, doesn't understand the scripture, can't properly divide the word of truth. This is talking to believers. 
When you read 1 John, he's talking to the church. And he says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But verse 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. I've come to tell you there's a way out of where you're at. There's hope for you in the darkness. God has a plan for your life. Romans 6, says, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ made me free from the law of sin and death. Galatians 5, 1, the King James says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The New International, New International Version says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Oh, come on. If you're free this morning, give him some praise. Give him some glory. Honor him. Magnify him. Thank him. I'm no longer bound. I'm not stuck anymore. I'm out of the darkness and I'm living in the light of Christ through Jesus Christ, my Savior. After the resurrection, John 21 is where you'll find it. Jesus appeared to Peter. And after they had brought that boatload of fishes, I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm just going to tell you the highlight. After they'd had breakfast, Jesus and Peter went for a walk. I know that because when the story concludes, it says they looked back and John was following them. So it was Jesus and Peter. And when they were alone, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. At that moment, the love of Christ was restored and renewed in Peter's heart. Then he said it again, Peter, do you love me? And he said, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. And at that moment, Peter's confidence was restored. All that bitterness, all that agony, all that I wish so wouldn't have happened was wiped out of his life. And then for the third time, he said, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I love you. You know all things. You know I love you. And then Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Listen I'm coming to a point. The point is this. It's not enough just to confess Christ as your Savior. It's not enough just to come and sit in a church pew. It's not enough to watch Christian TV. It's not enough to read the Word of God on a regular basis. If you don't follow Him, you miss the boats. It's all about following Jesus Christ. Now listen, when you follow Him, He's going to put you in some tough circumstances. You're going to go through some things you would never experience unless you follow him. Everybody that went to Peru last year, raise your hand. There was about 26 of us in Peru last year when COVID locked that country down and we were stuck. I'm here to tell you, there were some emotions involved. There were some angst involved. But what happened was that those 26 people got to see a miracle of the living God. When the State Department and the embassy said, you're stuck here, you're not getting out. When the neighborhood we're working in began to rise against us, we had to have police protection at night in the streets around us. When we thought there was no way, Mark Milligan spent his days on the phone and we spent our days trying to figure out how do we get out of this? Some of you helped us, but in the end, it was God who moved upon the heart of the State Department, who sent an airplane, and guess who was first on that plane? Oh yeah, it was us. 
Come on, I'm here to tell you. He's going to put you in tough places. But when he does, he's already got a plan to bring you through. He's already got a plan to take you out. When the Israelites were against the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's army was behind them, they were ready to give up hope. But God had a plan. He had a second chance up his sleeve. And he rolled back the waters. And they walked across on dry... Somebody, you ought to be shouting now. And they walked across on dry ground. And the waters folded in. And the army of Pharaoh drowned in those waters. Hallelujah! It's time to understand. If we follow him, life won't be planned and mapped and programmed like we might think or expect. It's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot greater. It's going to enable us to see things we didn't think we would ever see. To go places we never thought we would go. To experience things in the spirit and the realm of God we never dreamed of. Oh, I'll never forget the little Baptist preacher who went with me on a missions trip to Mexico. We were building a church during the day, holding services at night. And on the third night, I said, Wade, it's your day to preach. He was a little apprehensive. He was with a Pentecostal crowd. He wasn't yet filled with the Holy Spirit. But he stood up that night and he began to preach. He preached Jesus. He preached the power of God. And I'll never forget, a little blind man came up at the altar call. I was at the back of the church. I could see, wait, what do I do now? You pray for him, doc. Lay hands on him. Believe God for a miracle. And I saw God use that Baptist preacher through the power of the Holy Ghost to open those blind eyes. And that man left rejoicing. But listen to me. It did more for Wade Graber than it did for the blind man. His faith shot through the roof. His church changed. His life was revolutionized because he experienced something he would have never experienced if he didn't follow Christ. Some of you sitting in this room this morning, it's all you're doing is sitting. I'm telling you it's time to get off. I'm going to be nice. The church seat. And begin to follow Christ. Opportunities abound. Open doors are around you. Stop sitting and waiting. There is sometimes no need to pray. You just need to get up and do. Follow the king. That's what Jesus told Peter. If you love me, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Tom, come back. See, I'm convinced. Jesus wants every born again believer to experience what following him looks like. To be able to say, oh, let me tell you about the time. God put me in a situation I couldn't deal with, I couldn't handle. I was way over my head. But let me tell you, the God I serve came to my rescue. Oh, come on, you think Daniel wanted to go in that lion's den? Absolutely not. But when he did, God shut the mouth of the lions and Daniel came through to victory. I can almost see it. It's pictured in my mind. I can see Gabriel standing over in the corner of that lion's den. They throw Daniel in, but he looks and there's a roll of baling wire in Gabriel's hand with a pair of CT pliers. He's already wired their mouth shut. He's closed them up tight. They can't do anything to Daniel. Oh, come on, I'm telling you, you may be in the soup right now, but you're gonna come out victorious if you follow the king. Follow Jesus. That's what he's asking. Follow Jesus. Stand your feet with me this morning. In this room, there are people. Online, there are people who need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. 
You need to come into the kingdom of God. Experience his grace and his mercy. Listen, there is no shame in this. This is the greatest thing that will ever happen in the entirety of your life. The greatest and the best decision you will ever make is to follow Jesus Christ. Oh, come on now. You're in this room this morning. You need to ask him to forgive you, to come into your life, to change you, transform you, make you a member of the family of God. That's you. Right where you sit, just step out and come. If you're online, send Pastor Chris a message. He's going to pray for you. Come on, you're here. I know you're here. I don't know what you're waiting on, but you need to come right now. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. He's calling you. He's saying, come to me. Come to me. I'll do a new work in your heart and in your life. This is the greatest thing you will ever do in the entirety of your life. Is receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm going to wait for another few minutes, but I want you to come. I'm going to make it easier for you, because I'm going to ask those in this room, you're a born-again believer, but you need a second chance. You need God to renew you, to restore you, to pour into you the fire of the Holy Ghost one more time. That's you. Step out and come. Right now, as Tom begins to sing, that's you. Come on, just step out and come. It's your time. It's your moment. Your opportunity to meet the King. Now, if you need Christ as your Savior, step out and come with them. Get my attention. I'll pray for you. We'll lead you to the cross. Others, come on. God's talking to you. I know there's a lot more in here who need to say, I need a second chance. I need a do-over. I need a mulligan. Come on, that's you. As Tom begins to sing, just step out and come right now. Jesus made it to the end of the message and now what is God leading you to make a change are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ then we invite you to join us at all nations church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit our Sunday morning service is at 10:30 and Wednesday night service at 7 plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.